Welcome to the Reframers Podcast. Arguing with friends and fam about politics is hard. New plan. Let's reframe what it means to discuss and disagree by talking and listening to each other. We're the Reframers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the season one Reframers finale. We are so glad that you're here with us today. Woo, season finale. Holy moly, we made it. <laughs> so just so everybody is aware, we are. this is our 19th episode of the Reframers, and we chose to finish our season one on episode 19 instead of 20, because why not? And we're just so grateful for everybody who has listened and made this worth our time. We've gotten so much great feedback and we're so appreciative to every one of you. So thank you so much. And we love you all. We do just so appreciate the support, listening, letting us know your thoughts, like the texts that people have sent us, the reviews. It's just been, it's really, really cool. This is a passion of ours um, and it's been a blessing to be able to do it and to have everyone be able to listen and let us know what they're thinking. That is, that makes it so, so worth it for us too. So thank you all for all of your support the whole season. Yes. We really appreciate that you're here. And like they both mentioned, we've got reviews that are letting us know that you're listening. We have people sending us DMS on Instagram. We have personal comments through friends and family members. When we've seen you, we have text messages. So it's been honestly quite an honor to know that you're taking time out of your life to engage with us. And it means the world to us. So thank you. Personally, I think we're really all very grateful and appreciative that we actually have somewhat of an international audience, which is just so flattering. I mean, everybody listening is is amazing, but just to shout out some of the people or countries, because we don't know who you are, but um, some of the countries that have listened, we have listeners in Russia, uh, Germany, India, Bolivia, Canada, Spain, Israel, Switzerland, the UK, and El Salvador. So to all of our our foreign friends that are listening to us talk. Thank you so much. We're, we don't know how you found us. We don't know how, how you got here, but we're happy to have you. And it's honestly so humbling and flattering that you're choosing to spend time with us. And hopefully uh, we're giving you some positive opinions about uh, the Americans uh, over here in North America. So thank you all. Wow, that is such a crazy list. I had not heard that list yet. That's, that's wild. Well, we have a lot of really cool things in store for you today. Shall we get started? Let's do it. I was going to say today, um, one of the things that we did is we solicited audience questions through our Instagram and a bunch of people sent in questions. So thank you so much for that. We have a lot of really fun and interesting things to go through today. And we're going to be discussing a few things. First, we're going to talk about how we got to where we are kind of politically. You know, what was it about politics that get us interested in the beginning? And then what from our upbringings made us land where we have landed. We're also gonna talk about our process that we've had for having these conversations with each other and then our experiences and reflections on the first season, kind of episodes we loved, which ones were hard, sort of a whole range of things. And we're using all of your questions to to guide this discussion. So thank you for for doing that. And uh, I think we're gonna just hop in with our first sort of category, which is how we got where we are. So question number one for us, guys, how did you come to care about politics and having political discussions? Cass, maybe do you want to kick us off? You go first. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Am I the best one to kick us off? Yeah. Um, (laughs) All right, listeners, you know, probably if you've joined us before that 
I am an accidental bystander in the political conversations. I am here because the world made me be here and I had to adapt and adjust. The fun version of the story is that being close with Zach and with Aaron uh, over the last decade, they have found each other in our friend group and have always enjoyed having discussions that are political and philosophical even about life and about the way things work in our system and other systems. And they really enjoy them. And I'm usually doing other things at these gatherings. So I didn't come to this with like, I'm not a major in any of this. I don't read books about any of this. That being said, growing up is how I came to this. I came into adulthood and I all of a sudden needed to be voting on things and have opinions and have conversations. I needed to be aware of what was going on in the world. I really care about donating to things. It's kind of like one of the big things for me is I, when something's wrong, I get really overwhelmed. And as I've grown up, I've realized, oh, I can, I can use like my vote and my dollars to donate to things that enact change that I want to see in the world. So for me, that's kind of where I'm motivated is through my friends and wanting to be able to be in conversations with them and understand like what makes them tick. I'm the kind of person that goes to a friend's house and I want to see their photo albums. Like I want to know what they did growing up and what they're like, what their parents are like. And so having political conversations is another part of what makes people tick. So I want to be in those. I think it's a a big part of some people and a small part of others, but I want to know everything. And then as I am able to do more research and learn and hear about people who are fighting the good fight, using like a loose term to say, believing in things that I believe in and think there should be more of in the world, I want to know how I can support them and help them. And so being in this conversation about things that I've maybe never heard of allows me to donate and support things that I may not have known I can help with. What about you, Zach? What about me? So the first thing I remember really about politics was talked about a little bit, but 9-11, not even very political at the time, but just aware that we are a country and wow, New York's all the way over there. And, you know, this affects everybody and and seeing the world kind of change after that. And then time goes by. And I remember in my junior high, seeing the cover of our like junior high newspaper. And it was when Obama was elected in 2008. And it was a big deal. And I remember teachers talking about it. And, you know, it was on the front page of our like local paper. And I think I saved the paper because I was, I remember being then in, I think, eighth grade thinking, wow, this is a big deal. Like this is kind of a momentous occasion. And not that this newspaper from, you know, my junior high is going to mean anything, but like, it's a momentous thing for, for me. And it was my, you know, time. And so that was kind of neat to get to see that. And then as I got older, I was really interested in politics or history, rather, like I, I kind of said in the beginning of this, ever since fifth grade, my teacher uh, Mr. Durham, I think, had me do or the whole class do a country's report. And I chose Germany just because it just kind of was the roll of the dice and went through this whole thing about learning about Germany's uh, involvement in World War II and really fascinated by that. And then that led me to World War II in general. And so that kind of was my my history trajectory. And so somewhere maybe in high school or so, my hist- my love for history and kind of my vague awareness of politics has merged into kind of just full on being involved with with politics and knowing about it and having opinions. And it, it's kind of embarrassing to say now, honestly, but when I was young and naive, I listened to InfoWars quite a bit. And I don't know, you know, quite where, where that came from, but I remember it had a lot of influence on me when I was a kid. And 
out of that, I really was drawn to kind of the libertarian argument. So I definitely am not an Infowars supporter anymore. And, you know, Alex Jones obviously just got slapped with the the Sandy Hook, you know, defamation suit. So um, I, I try to disassociate from that as much as I can now, but I think it's important to be honest. But out of my exposure to that, I learned about Ron Paul and libertarianism, and that really resonated with me. And I really liked the idea that the government should be small and um, should be allowing individuals to live the life that they want to live to the fullest extent that they can uh, with as minimal government interference or regulation as possible. So that's kind of where I think a lot of my um, free market and you know libertarian ideas come from is Ron Paul. Since those days, I've really kind of had my own thoughts and, and ideas and separated from where I was in high school. And now I feel like I'm economically driven conservative. So I think it's important because I've challenged myself and my ideals and I've kind of come to my own little, my own little belief system now. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Well, you kind you? of answered the second question that we were going to talk about too, which oh, no. <laughs> is what experiences do you think have been the most formative in shaping your opinions? So oh. we can go back to that too, but <laughs> maybe I'll just mush mine together because it's kind of what you did. I grew up in a house where we talked about politics. And I think that's something that started very early for me. And I always remember the news being on. And it wasn't like talk shows. It was always local news. We had the local news on every night. And it was always like Reno local news because we didn't have like Tahoe news that was on the TV, but they would give us Tahoe news and the weather and everything. And it's just funny to think about that before the age of the internet, we didn't have just articles that we looked up online. It was actual, you know, written papers and then local news. And I just remember that really being part of my life early. And I listened to my parents having those conversations. And it was interesting because at that time, my mom was sort of moderate conservative and my dad was kind of like moderate liberal. And so they didn't exactly overlap. And having that difference from the beginning, I think was really interesting and definitely encouraged me to think in it, in my own way, because I didn't have this big pressure to, to fall into one camp or the other. And I, I think that as far as like wanting to have the political conversations now, very, very interested in what's going on in the world. And then another thing Zach and I have also talked about is that we love history. We love American history specifically. And that informs how you think about the US government today and how it's doing things. And so starting with like my history classes in high school, and then I did a program called We the People, which was like a deep dive into American government and had like a competition component. That's from high school. It was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And going into college, it was, I'm going to do poli sci because I want to be a lawyer. So like every step really has kind of like led me in this direction. And I am a lawyer now. I care about politics. I like having these conversations. Um, and it's been really cool just to kind of trace like what are those things and as far as things that have been like really formative in shaping my opinions going to church my whole life is a really big part of how I have come to the opinions that I have whether it's because there were things that I was taught that I ended up really disagreeing with and going hard in the opposite direction or things that I did agree with and have like held on to. That was a big part of shaping, I think, my like political views. And then also just experiences of, of like growing up in a small town in a like sort of lowery middle class family. Like those are the kinds of things like your economics, your social 
socioeconomic standing, that has a big impact on the way you think about politics. Uh, where you go to school, I've always been in California, and I'm sure that has an impact on how I think about politics. And so thinking it through all of those things, it's many, many things, but those are like kind of the big ones that I can point to, like family, where we were economically growing up you know, what kind of jobs my parents had, which were English and journalism, teacher and a journalist, so that, that impacts how you view things. And then church, for sure, is kind of how I filled that out. So then for both of you, Cassie specifically, you know, what has been formative in shaping your opinion, since you didn't really answer that part of the question? I feel very thoughtful about this, because my initial answer is that I believe what my mom believes. <laughs> and I and I want to be honest about that and also address the there's you got to unpack that, right? When you realize that you believe something because somebody you believe in and trust believes it, that can be very valuable as a base or it can be something that you have to be concerned about and think, "Oh, okay, what do I bring to this? Like what what me specific aspects of this exist?" And this is not you know, to hate on my mom or anything. I, I think that I admire my parents and the way that they think about things has influenced me as many parents do. And then as Aaron says, California is very liberal. We have both, but it is very liberal. So that's a big influence. And I, I said it before, but kind of just growing up and discovering, oh, it's, it's us. Like, it's me. I can't just like not know about things. I, I mean, I can, but then I just don't vote. And that would work if I cared not at all about any of the things that are ever on ballots, but I do, I care about those things and I can just ignore them and assume that someone who quote unquote knows better than me, is going to do something about it, or I can get more involved. So it was more of like experiencing all the things that I think we discover in our typical coming of age stories that, oh yeah, like this is our world. Like we have to live in it and it's going to be on us if we, like we have to be able to be okay with what we did or didn't do. I think it was interesting to hearing Zach say, and I won't, I won't speak for Zach, but I'll say it can be worth looking at why you believe in something because sometimes the people that you put your faith in they're not carbon copies of you, right? Like if I end up having a different belief system than my parents or than my friends, that's valuable. I have to be able to, like, it's a very brave thing to do to kind of step outside of your friend group and just think, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with it because this is kind of the hard part of having these conversations is coming into it and going, oh my God, like some of the people I love most in the world and believe in most are not going to be the same as me. And I think- mm -hmm hearing Zach say it, it sounds like people that you believed in said, you can trust these people, Alex Jones, Infowars, and then they were wrong. They were not, those weren't trustworthy places to get your information. That brought you super far to like our media bias, like right skewing, right. not based on fact, very opinion-based. And then I think from being swung so far over there, you have found this libertarian position, which has brought you more towards a, okay, here are the things that I learned from that experience that I do agree in. I do think that big government should be small and that the more of the impetus should be on the people and they should be empowered and state government should have more control over their individual areas and their jurisdiction. Like, I think it's fascinating to consider that we get like all this information about the world as children and then 
it's just like you get kicked out of the nest and start flying and you can fly with all those pieces or you can pick up your own along the way. And I think it's cool. Like I said before, getting to know your friends and family in this way and, and being more open to talking about, okay, now that we're all kind of here and we've brought our own stuff, how do we feel about things? Yeah. I mean, I think that's really well said. And I think that accurately reflects kind of my upbringing is growing up when I was young, we weren't very political. And then high school, my dad kind of, you know, got more involved in politics and I did kind of pick up everything. And then over time, I've left some things along the road and kind of just kept the things that I still resonate with and still value. I mean, it's kind of how that's the whole point of this podcast, right? Is like looking at things from a critical lens to see if they still suit our needs and still are things that we believe in. And if it's not, then we adjust. So I think that even though I'm a little sheepish about my my political origin story, I think it still is valuable. And I think it's worth mentioning. And I appreciate you letting me share what we shared because I mean, as if people don't know, like Zach and I are married. My political origin story is that I probably wouldn't care or talk about this as much if I didn't end up being with Zach. And that sounds, I don't want it to sound like very like, I like you guys, if you've listened, like I did not just like adopt my husband's opinions. On the contrary, some of the things he yeah. said, I disagreed with. And then I had to go, okay, hang on. Based on what? Based on what? Do I disagree because of the position he's in, like that that he's, you know, a Republican, which he's not, as he just said, more libertarian leaning. It just, it challenged me to consider what I agreed with and what I believed in. And so that's kind of my origin story is just like being in college and learning to be a critical thinker and realizing that stuff is out there happening, whether or not I have an opinion on it and whether or not I do something with it. And I wanted to be involved. How'd we do, Aaron? Oh, I think that was great. <laughs> I love it. I think for anyone listening, it's worth it to think about what we'll call your political origin story. You know, yeah. think about where you get your opinions from and if you've challenged them. And I think it's a really worthwhile exercise to do. I just want to throw in here real quick too, that because of this podcast and because of you know, our involvement, and I think, you know, being politically active, just some like kind of small success story, not small, but like pretty big success story is that this last week before recording, Julius Jones in Oklahoma was set to be executed and, you know, found out about it. And we put it out on all of our socials, you know, saying, hey, contact the governor. Um, He's, you know, the last person that can stop this from happening. And it was a big thing. The Innocence Project's pushed and, and he was saved. Like he was not executed this week and he's, you know, by their account, innocent. Um, and that's a big deal. Like it's not politics, it's not red versus blue, you know, and anything like that, but it does matter because we were involved and because, you know, we, we were paying attention to things like we, you know, I don't know how many people reached out there, but I know a few people did. I got a few messages from people saying, you know, thank you so much for sharing this. Um, you know, I can't believe this is happening. So I'm not saying that we did it, Innocence Project did it, but like we helped, we sent messages and we literally had a voice in helping save a life. And what is more important than that? So all of it matters. And I'm really just glad that we're all involved now to whatever degree that we are. Absolutely. That was really cool. Um, Okay. Do we want to move on to our next category? Let's do it. Yeah. This is a fun one. These are going to be questions about kind of our process when we come into these episodes and then also about our friendship. And I liked this one. This one came from Katie is a friend and a colleague. And she asked us, do you ever talk about who won after an episode? And I don't know about you guys, but that stopped me in my tracks because I don't ever think about that. But 
when I brought this up to a couple other people, they're like, oh yeah, I always think about that. I like have tallies <laughs> in my head of like, Aaron won that one, but Zach won that one. So I'd be curious to know, do you guys ever think about that when you are done and listening to it later? I think because I don't think of it as a debate, but as a conversation, that doesn't come to my mind really. There's episodes, if anything, there's episodes where I feel like, oh, I really made my point well, or I really didn't make my point as well as I wanted to, but I don't really think of it as like, oh, Zach won that one, or oh, I crushed him on that one. Like that's not, that has not been at least the way I've thought about it, like at all. Yeah, same. I feel basically identical. I don't ever walk away feeling like California lawyer owns rural conservative atheists, <laughs> right? Right. I don't, I don't ever think about it in those kinds of terms. I definitely am just the same saying, feeling like, oh, I, I feel like that was really fun. I learned a lot or that one is a little bit tougher and I wish I was more prepared. I definitely don't think about it in terms of, you know, winning or losing. It's fun. I do, I do the editing, you know, for the pod. And so I get to listen to it back many times um, <laughs> while before it goes out. And not only do I get to have the discussion, but then I get to relive the discussion, you know, and really get to break down the conversation on a like five second by five second basis, which I think is really interesting and getting to kind of see, oh, this is how I think, or, oh, this is how Aaron thinks. And so it's maybe more of psychologically revealing than I intended it to be, but I just, I still, even then, I don't think about who won or lost. I do listen back and I, as I'm listening and think, oh, I should say this. And then I say it and I'm like, oh, past me did great. <laughs> so, but I still don't, I don't keep a tally or I don't feel like, oh, Aaron totally beat me. So, um, which is nice. I feel like it's what we're, what we set out to do. It's collaborative. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that's nice too, you guys, because we've worked really hard over the years. You guys started it and then I've now joined your conversations, but you guys have worked hard to make your conversations a safe space. Like you said, they're not usually a debate. Sometimes when we're off the podcast, it can be more of a debate, but I think primarily that would be my takeaway is I, I don't think about that. I, I think there are times when I sit here and I go, yeah, Aaron got him <laughs> or whatever, but it's just because I agree more with some of what Aaron says sometimes. And I think, again, I would just want to say, if you're making a safe space where you can disagree, then you don't have to win or lose. I don't want that to sound all like Mr. Rogers, but I think it would be happier if we didn't come at it as a debate. I think I would dread recording more if we we're going to lose sometimes. I don't like to lose. Yeah, me too. And I also don't think that's really our friendship. You know, it's because we know each other really well. I think that's one thing that having the conversations with your friends and family can actually be really helpful in, you know, when you need to stop pushing or, you know, when you need to like ask a question in a different way. And that's not something that you have when you're just talking to a stranger. So in some ways talking to a stranger is easier because you don't have the personal connection, but in some ways it's harder. And yeah. if you're really caring more about the other person than about like your point, being right, I think it makes you slow down a little bit and be able to engage in the conversation more than feeling like, oh my gosh, I have to win this. I like that that point a lot, Aaron, about pushing. There's definitely been times where we've had discussions. I can't for the life of me remember what we were talking about Thanksgiving in 2015 like or something, but that one was super, we like had to be like, okay, the turkey is ready. You're going to sit at that end and I'm going to sit at this end. And then we'll talk again about something else after dinner. You get the sense of, okay, this is getting a little bit too heated or too. And I don't think we've really been there on the pod very much, but I think because it's recorded and because we're doing this for an audience, you know, for ourselves, but for an audience, I think that that also is helpful for me to keep in mind what is 
factual and what is important to say and then what is you know not or what is propaganda and what is the thing that you know owns the other side or whatever and those are the things that in my research or in preparing like i i try to filter those things out and just stick with what is it that i feel is the truth that's actually a pretty good transition into the next question which is do you have a go-to resource when you start researching your topic for this week and this question is from my cousin kate thanks kate i'll go first i guess for me I have a few go-tos. Um, I typically, you know, walking Dallas or even when I was commuting and stuff, I'll listen to podcasts. So I like the Daily Wire a lot. I think Ben Shapiro does a good job of explaining things. I like Ben. I don't always agree with Ben on everything. I mean, he's tried and true in his beliefs, but I think he does a good job of breaking down some things that, so that's helpful for me to get context. But then a lot of times my research is like Reason Mag. And Reason is the Libertarian magazine. So I'll go and I'll find things there because I think that they do a good job of arguing things or presenting information from the Libertarian standpoint. So that's probably like maybe my go-to, but also just, I, I don't know, news in general. I mean, just kind of doing a Google search. I'll just do Google and I'll pull up some things that are from every source, you know, from a bunch of different places. So I've, I definitely have a lot of New York Times and Washington Post and various things in my notes from prepping each week. And usually I'll just record in a, a Google doc, I'll cut and paste, you know, quotes or statistics and things like that. Then I'll massage it or try to mesh it together in a, you know, in a stew to make sure that it's like things are, are copacetic and not <laughs> Cassie is making the craziest face right now, but I, you are not sure- making dinner tonight with the massaging and the stew. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean like trying to, whole disparate piece of information together to make it so it's organized. That's that's all I mean. Not trying to like manipulate the data, but just rather saying, okay, here's the section on, you know, say gun control. Here's a section on defensive uses of firearms. And here's, you know, FBI crime statistics. And then here's, you know, past, you know, cases on gun things. So kind of just organizing things in that way. How about you, Aaron? What are your go-tos? Yeah, it's funny that it's the Daily Wire for you. Totally makes sense. Zach does love Ben Shapiro. I really don't like Ben Shapiro. So that's <laughs> difference in the sources. I also listen to podcasts though. I really like the Ezra Klein show, which you might not like. And he runs from like under the umbrella of the New York Times. And I like him because he brings in experts to interview. And mm-hmm. so it's a really good, it's almost like Joe Rogany, except just more research. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think it is a really helpful sort resource. So I like listening to him. There's some good resources for some of the historical stuff we do. Like the Senate has a webpage called senate.gov and it has good historical resources. The House of Representatives has a similar page. There's a congressional library Um, that's also got a really good resource page online. And those are good because they're just like, here's the facts of what happened in history. They're not really opinion pieces. I really like the New York Times. And I also like the Atlantic. The Atlantic does a lot of long form articles, kind of investigative journalistic articles that I really appreciate. So those ones, and then basic things like PolitiFact or like other kinds of fact checking sites, I think can be helpful. And then for certain episodes, we need like a lot of studies, kind of like Zach mentioned, crime statistics. Um, For tech censorship, I I looked at a bunch of different studies that were really helpful studying like data use, usage and postings and things like that. For um, student debt, you had to get into like 
economy related stuff and how to understand how markets work. And so that was a little bit of a different one. So yeah, I think there's for sure a variety of sources. And then I also use some of my like notes literally from law school that I took on case law. Cass, you've also looked at things though too. What do, what do you look at? Yeah, I appreciate that you guys get to do the research part of the job and I get to kind of come in and react. So know that, dear listener, when you hear this. <laughs> um, but I do I do a fair amount of Googling just to have a few things to say so I can react. But also I do try to look for things that end with like .org or .gov because if I'm going to have something, I want it to be a real thing. When I'm looking into something, I, I sometimes am looking for the actual constitution. So I don't know what website that is, but I'm literally looking for what's written in the constitution. And then sometimes I go off to see what different people have interpreted that section to mean. Um, and then as for daily news, I get a email subscription from the skim every day and I adore it. Um, I would really recommend it to anybody who's listening to this um, podcast. It is takes about five minutes to read in the morning. And I know that this has become more prevalent um, and I'm very thankful for it, but it's, it's fairly unbiased, lean slightly left. I do want to be honest, um, but, but close to the middle fact-based and it's called the skim because it's, it's just that you're going to quickly skim top headlines for a day, every weekday keeps you up to date on all kinds of things happening in, in the world. And including like, it's always got pop culture references, which that's my sweet spot. And now this time of year, it has gift guides and more personal things. And I think it, it really meets me where I am, which is politics are a piece of my life. It's not even a large piece. And so I want it to kind of fit right in with my day. And so that works really well for me. I had to unsubscribe from this game. That's fine. Because not because I didn't find it useful, but because the pop culture stuff made it actually challenging to read because they're making references that I had no <laughs> idea what they're referring to. And so they're trying to make a point and like, give me an update on something. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know who you're talking about. I, Cause you're got, 80. I know. No, I know. So it's, I, <laughs> I recommend it. It's good, but I just, I had to. They have other to, ones. Yeah. They have uh, like Axios has a like daily subscription. That's pretty quick. Uh, New, New York, York Times, Times has one. one. That's pretty yeah. good. Mm-hmm. So if this is the kind of thing you're in, maybe try a few and see what you like. So the next question is, is there a topic slash issue that you won't discuss for the sake of friendship or is everything fair game? I think that's also from my cousin, Kate, and it is such a good question. It's a great question. Kate, you're really coming for us today, Kate. I love it. Great question. Man, who wants to tackle this first? Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I think that there are some things sweating. (laughs) I think there are some things that are maybe not for the sake of the friendship. I feel like for us, I think we could probably talk about mostly everything. I feel like for the sake of what we want to put out there, maybe there are some things we probably won't talk about, at least for a while. Maybe I'll say that abortion maybe is one. Obviously, Texas, you know, had passed its abortion bill this last year, right in the middle of our season one. And we did not talk about that. So that's probably one. Another one, probably transgender related issues. I think that that can get really sensitive and difficult. And I don't have a lot of experience with it. And it gets so partisan and so nasty. I don't know what more I could say in that space besides, I think it's a little overblown and that transgender people or people who identify as transgender 
are people and deserve all the same equal protections under the law and in society that everybody else does. I don't know what more we could add by going into that topic more. So those are the two that I feel like maybe we would be less likely to do a full episode on, but I'm curious what you guys think. I mean, I think those are the two topics that we have talked about that we don't really want to do on the pod, at least yet. We need to get a little bit more comfortable just doing the pod. But yeah, I think those are probably our hardest topics, not necessarily even with each other, um, but just, I I think there will be hard for us to talk about. As far as topics that are off limits for the sake of our friendship, I agree. I don't actually think that there are any. I don't, Mm -hmm. at least we have not come up on one yet. Even when we have gotten heated before, it wasn't like, oh, we can never talk about this again. And I actually think if we had the conversation, we had that Thanksgiving now, we would have it much better. We know how to talk to each other now in a way we didn't then. We know each other better, like all of us. And so, you know, I don't think we would ever get to that point. I do think that there are certain topics for all of us that is very difficult for us to be objective about. And we know that about ourselves. And so that makes it, it, there's a lens there that makes it harder to talk about because it is deeply personal. So something that I can think about for me is like women's rights related issues, particularly like sexual assault and like the Me Too movement. That's very, very personal to me. And I get emotional about it very quickly. And I know that it is hard for me to be objective in that kind of conversation. And so, and I think that you guys have those sorts of issues, like issues that you care about in that way as well. And so it's just a different kind of way to navigate the conversation because I want to be objective about everything. But I also know that that one is one that is sort of like, it's just so important to me that it can be hard to actually like go into a conversation really open-minded about, you know, hearing from the other side. When Brett Kavanaugh was being nominated for the Supreme Court, I wish that that drive, because we must have talked for like three hours. Cass and I were driving back from San Luis Obispo and I don't remember why we called, but we called Aaron and we had, it was a great conversation. I mean, probably one of our all-time bests. I wish we were recording it because it was Mm -hmm. so good. And I felt like we talked about all of that. We talked about his, you know, the Me Too, you know, the, the allegations made against him and what it meant for the Supreme Court and what it meant for the country. Like that was, I thought that was really well handled and it was, you know, impassioned and it was something that we all had very, you know, strong feelings on. And I feel like that was maybe like the first stone in setting the example for what has become now the reframers. I am very aware of what I don't want to talk about because it makes my heart pound and it makes me want to throw up (laughs) and to dive in, not into like the nasty part of what I just said, but like to dive into that, like, I don't want to talk about certain things because I feel like there's no alternative position to how I feel. You're either with me or you're wrong and you're a bad person. And that is like me being as honest as I can possibly be because I'm also on this podcast because I don't think that we should feel that way about each other. I just don't. I believe that people are inherently good. Most people are good and most people are doing their best. And some people get lost along the way and they're willing to, you know, sell their soul for money or power. And I get that. And so I would like to say also, in addition to there are certain things I never want to talk about because I just can't stand to know more about the fact that there are people that don't believe what I believe on this very sensitive topic. Um, I also will never say never because I have to know. I have to know. I have to be able to talk to people about these things because like they exist in the world. Some of these things are 
abortion, the Black Lives Matter movement, transgender rights, anything to do with sexual assault and sexual violence and women's rights. There's for me, not a right or wrong. It's hard for me to see two sides. And so it's hard for me to want to like bring my, my temperature down from like straight up boiling over the top to, we can talk about this and make a better world. And I, I would like to be a person that can always talk about something and make a better, a better world and relationship and friendship and see your side. And okay, maybe it's not, you know, just that you disagree with the, maybe you don't disagree with what I believe in. Maybe you just disagree about implementation. And that's honestly what keeps me going. Most of the time, it keeps me going to know that if I believe people are good and that we are disagreeing, not fundamentally, but in how we move forward and the best way that keeps the most people and their rights and freedoms preserved, then I can talk about it. If I'm having a discussion with somebody that doesn't believe in certain people having the same rights as others, there's nothing to talk about, right? So in specific to Kate's question, there's nothing I won't talk about with these people because I love these people and I trust them. I know where they're coming from and I know that their fundamental beliefs align with mine. So I can totally have that conversation. It's harder with strangers in this one. I know we've talked a lot about what's hard to talk about with family and feel scarier and what feels safer with family and friends and what's hard to talk about with strangers. And with strangers, you don't know. You don't know if you're going to enter in or enter into a conversation with somebody mm-hmm. who just doesn't believe that black people are like full people and have all the same, like, oh my God, then there you are just in that conversation. There's no productivity there, at least not for me. Maybe there's people out there that can do it, but it's not me. Great question. Thank yeah. you for sending yeah. that one in. Yeah. And then um, it, it leads nicely into our next question, unless anyone has anything to add. How do we navigate close relationships when you think and vote differently? This is actually my question. <laughs> I want I want you two to answer that first because you're married and there's like actual moments that I remember from the course of your relationship where like Cassie in particular talked to me about like, I need to figure out how to navigate this thing. So yeah, I'd really love to hear about your experience. Cassie kind of mentioned it already actually. And it's that for us, how we've, I think, managed to do it is because we vote differently, that doesn't necessarily mean that we believe that humans should be treated differently. It's a matter of what are the values that we have. And as long as those values are the same or mostly the same, then that is acceptable enough for us to, you know, get along and coexist and, you know, love each other and be married and love each other's families and stuff. And I think, like she said, it comes down to implementation. How do we, what do we feel like is the best policy for getting what we both think is the the right end result? And, you know, most of the time, the right end result is justice and, you know, equal protections and equal rights and all of those things. It's a matter of talking about it. Uh, I think if you stuff it and you never discuss it and, you know, something's bothering you, we never bring it up. I think that that does worse. I think that that's a, a bad idea because it's so easy, I think, for people to hear something, you know, in the news. So, you know, you hear something from your favorite you know, news outlet and they say, here's what the other side is doing. And because I know that Cassie is bottom left on the New York Times you know, chart progressive, that well, immediately she thinks that this is a good idea also. And so I think that that's a bad thing to do because then you're immediately assigning a belief or a status to somebody that you have no idea if that's actually how they feel. So I think talking about it is good, coming into it, knowing that we do share the same value. 
that I think has been really helpful. And, and sometimes honestly too, it may sound contradictory, but is not talking about it if it's too fresh or too emotional at the time. I know there's been a few times where we've been in discussions and the discussion hasn't necessarily ended, but we've had to end it that day because it was just too much. You know, we'll come back to it when it's, you know, a day later or something and we're able to like reflect and digest, you know, more. And and I think that it's always been good. I, I don't think that it's not always been easy, but I would say it's always been good. I just think it's important to treat people as individuals and practice the conversations and listen. So that, that's maybe my, my kind of two minutes on it. But what about you? What about you, Cass? Really well said. I have several thoughts. Growing up, somebody told me, or maybe a lot of people told me that you can marry somebody that you don't have certain things in common with if you have the same level of care about it. For example, if you care deeply about your faith, your religion, and you can marry somebody who cares deeply about their faith and have them not have the same faith, but that is going to have more trouble in it. Versus if you're, you know, 50% or below, like it's, it's not a cornerstone of my life, but like, yes, I'm Catholic or whatever it is. And another person says, okay, well, it's not a cornerstone of my life, but yes, I'm Jewish then you can be together. I don't know where I learned this, but this is a rule that somebody said. It was basically saying, if you have things that are really, really important to you, then you need to make sure that you address that and look for that in a partner. And I thought, okay, that's a really, that's a good piece of advice. I'm going to hold on to that. So it applies to other things. Like if you're hundred percent a dog person and you're going to get a dog no matter what, and I'm a dog person too. Perfect. We're going to build a great life together. This is going to be super fun. If you're like, I'm dead set against dogs or I'm allergic or whatever it is, you're going to have a harder time building a life with that person. Somebody's going to be giving something up that is fundamental to them versus me. I don't care about if I have a dog or not having a dog. It doesn't matter. Zach, got to have a dog. Super important to me. My life won't be complete unless I have a dog. So that's the rule. Two people care deeply about something and it has to be in their life. Then you would hope those things are the same things. If only one person cares deeply and the other person doesn't really care that much, you're fine. And if you both don't care, it's easier to disagree. Apply that to politics. Zach and I, we don't usually vote the same. That's why I worded the question. Like, mm-hmm. what do you do when you're navigating close relationships where you think or vote differently? Zach and I often don't vote the same. And I think that that's okay because like he said, and like I said earlier, it comes down to implementation. It took a long time in our relationship for, us, for me to discover, is this something I could do forever? What are we dealing with? What am I signing up for? Am I signing up to um, bite my tongue forever? Am I signing up to agree with somebody who I don't actually agree with forever? Um, Am I signing up to fight with this person forever? Is there a point in time where I uh, can't stand that this person won't back me up or am heartbroken that I can't um, come home and share um, news about, you know, the first woman president or whatever, because if she's, you know, left wing, then we're not going to have a conversation. Like, what are we signing up for? Do we have to give up parts of ourselves to be in this relationship. And I would, I would want to talk about that, about any topic, politics aside. So for me, it came down to many, many, many conversations with Zach about what we actually believe, who we believe as rights, when we believe people are most free, why sometimes we disagree. It doesn't come down to that. We disagree that people 
have the same rights or, or values or anything, but just, okay, but I think the solution should be that the government needs to step in and do this. They, it's their job, like who better to do it? And Zach says, okay, no, 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 it's not their job. The federal government shouldn't be involved in that. They're too far away from the picture. That should be the state people. And I go, oh man, I never, I never thought about that. I thought it was just like, the government should take care of us. It's a parent-child relationship. And he's like, that's not how it's designed, or at least I don't believe that that's how it should function. I think it should be these people rising up and moving into positions of um, power within their small government. And then, or the people are just not going to go to that store if they don't like what that store stands for. Like it just, it, it spiraled into all these wonderful conversations where I was challenged on what I believed and why. And then we're left alone if that's what we believe. I think it would be hard if, if we had to win, kind of like we talked about in our earlier conversation. And I would 100% just say to somebody, if you're in a relationship like Zach and I, where we don't inherently agree on the policy, and that's, that's again, like the implementation side, to look at it and make sure that you are with somebody that you, like, if you're going to look at your life and say, I want to celebrate everything, and I want to campaign on the same things and walk picket lines with the person that I love, then you should absolutely look for that. You should just be honest with yourself about what you need. I wanted somebody, I think Zach challenges me into really thinking it through what I believe and why and um, what we should be doing and what would make us better people and not accepting anything as fact without getting like a second opinion. I think that makes us both better. And so it works for us. I feel like there is nothing at all that I can add to that. Like it's (laughs) honestly... I'm like sitting here being a little bit blown away. It really is. It's very special to hear what your relationship has been like and how you have navigated it. I don't know. I think it's just like a really great picture of what you can do if you're, you know, prioritizing, having the conversations, figuring out like what matters the most. And it's really, really cool to see. So I appreciate and like respect you guys so much for how you have done that. Thanks, Erin. Thanks very much. Thank you. I know we've talked about this before many a time and I just think you have to be super honest with yourself about what you actually see in that person. And is this an aspect of their personality and of of the personhood or is it who they are? And would you be asking yourself or them to change who they are to continue in a relationship? Just one more thing to add is that we have this understanding. We know this about each other. So I don't go to Cassie to fill that part of my personality. It's not like I am looking for Cassie to fill that political need in me. That is also something I'll just drop in for the end. I hope that this would all apply if you were having a conversation with your sibling or with your parent or with friends that you would be able to look at the relationship as a whole and say, what do I get out of this relationship? Total level of respect. Is it there? Does this eat away at our ability to have a relationship or is it just a facet? Do I have to sacrifice a part of my personhood to maintain this relationship or is it just a thing that people disagree on? If you're honest and open and with a person who's going to do that with you, the relationship can be saved or worked on or maintained. Mm-hmm. And I just want to highlight one of the things that you said, Zach, I think being critical of the assumptions that you make about people based on limited information, you know, someone saying I voted this way, or I think this one thing, and we take that and apply everything that we know about like that political party or the pundits have said this about that and we assign it to that person. And that's something that we all do. And you actually have to train yourself not to do that. And if you don't do that, then it just, it opens up the conversation for sure. Mm -hmm. Retweet, say it again. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
would you like to jump into some questions about our season, our favorite episodes and most challenging and all of that? Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so just to give people a bit of a context for this going into it, I would just like to point out that our all-time most listened to episode is the introduction episode. Our actual, you know, substantive episode, the most listened to is Reframing Gun Control. And after that is the Electoral College. And coming up in third place is Tech Censorship. So those are our top three most downloaded or listened to or whatever all times um, of the 18 that we've released so far. That's a good top three or four, whatever you listed. I, I know the Electoral College is first, so thanks for giving us a shot. Yep. <laughs> uh, tech censorship was somewhere in the middle though. So that must've been, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. That was that. like just a few months ago. Tech censorship yeah. was September 16th. So pretty, pretty recent. Yeah. And now for a look back on some of our past episodes. Okay. What were your favorite episodes so far? Um, my favorite episode so far has been, have been the ones that I've learned the most for and I think particularly in research definitely through the conversation but also just felt like oh I learned so much about this topic doing the research for it so tech censorship was one of those I really really liked that episode and that was also such a fun conversation to talk about like bias and our perceptions and what the studies say about it like I thought that was so interesting Fully 73% of Democrats say they strongly or somewhat approve of social media companies labeling posts on their platforms from elective officials as inaccurate, inaccurate or misleading. So to be clear, this is not removing posts, but labeling them. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, 71% of Republicans say they at least somewhat disapprove of this practice. So like we're super divided on social media. And then I also really like the climate change episode because of how much I learned in preparing for it, understanding the different renewable energy technologies and what a world could look like if we were more renewable. That was a super interesting one for me too. Climate science is getting better and more precise. So the UN does these reports. They did um, another one of these climate research reports eight years ago. And in the time between those eight years, we have a lot more observational data, like temperature measurements, data from land instruments, from oceans and space. So we're really able to simulate a lot more of what's going on in the planet. And we have better data and we're also better at doing this research. So that's some good news. For my favorites, Tech censorship was definitely a great one. I thought that was a really good discussion. I thought that was really interesting. I really liked our COVID conversations, but I thought that that was fun because it was more of kind of just a back and forth where we had some data and some research that we had done, but they were more just what we thought was right. And okay, we're disagreeing about this part, but we think that the vaccines are a good thing. My beef is more along the lines of, is the government overstepping in its role to provide a solution to the problem without being negligent, because that's really the balance of, okay, we're trying to help facilitate, we're trying to advise, we're trying to improve and make sure that we're doing our duty to protect our citizens, but without overstepping and squashing all, you know, economy and <laughs> freedom. So that's really the, like, the crux for me. You know, those two were, I think, a lot of good discussion. And then the other one that I really liked, oh, was the religion and politics one that we just, we just did. I thought that was really cool. 
if you believe that like the basis of this religion is, you know, a God that sent his son to die for you and has saved you, like the basis of that is love. Like that shouldn't be what's changing across cultures. There's like specific things like that. Like the idea of radical generosity, the idea of protecting the oppressed, like all of these are fundamental foundational pillars of Christianity or they should be. And those are the kinds of things that need to be continuing across cultures. And that those supersede the other things that you can nitpick and you can point to to say, oh, well, but the Bible says this. But the message is that those principles that you laid out, among others, are foundational. They are what make up the religion. And so those are the things that need to be adhered to or should be adhered to beyond everything else. You know, that was kind of just like sitting in on a college lecture for me. You know, Aaron, I thought you did such a great job of presenting us with actual, you know, U.S state law, and then also, you know, religious, um, you know, what the, the theology is behind things. I really appreciated your honesty and your perspective that you brought to it because, you know, I think you're a pretty like, level-headed and, you know, really intelligent, rational person, but also I love that you have that other side that is also you know, your deep convictions and how you meld those two together, I think is really admirable. So for me, that one was interesting to learn. Uh, and discuss, but I thought way more interesting to actually just like sit in and listen on. And I, I actually had a great time editing that one too, because I was like, oh, great. I get to hear all this again. And that was, that was really cool. Mm, that's so cool. Thanks for saying that. I also listened to that one like three times before I, before we posted it. I had one of my friends listen to it. I was like, I need to make sure that this is like presented correctly. So yeah, that's great to hear. Cass, what about you? Oh, you guys, there's been so many good ones. <laughs> I loved reframing religion and politics as well. When that earlier question from Kate came up about things that you wouldn't touch or talk about, um, I think initially I would have thought it could be really hard to talk about religion because it's such a cornerstone of who Erin is and how she leads her life and her upbringing. And I would hate to ever put anyone in a position where they felt, I mean, that's so, so much a part of some people's personhood. And I wouldn't want to put anyone in a weird spot. So I appreciated how much I learned. I loved talking about kind of the duality of your personal beliefs versus how much the government should be involved in that about taxation of churches. Like I just, I found it fascinating and I thought it was really, it it was very encouraging to be able to talk about something that people say is taboo. It's kind of one of my favorite things that we do. If you're a church with tax exempt status, that means that any funds you collect, you don't have to pay taxes on, which distinguishes you, you don't from, pay taxes. from a, you don't from have a to business. Pay property taxes. Like, How is this an okay thing? I don't understand. I was going to ask. I want to know. Do you guys think that's, is that cool? Maybe because I'm not a member of a church. Maybe if I was a member of a church, I would feel more inclined that they are, you know, doing great things with their money. Is that the, is that the play that they're doing good things well, and I, shouldn't be taxed? Well, I don't think it's just churches, right? Because many charities can get tax exempt status. So it's not just that churches don't pay taxes, but if you apply for the, the exemption, you can get it. And, and I think a lot of charities are tax exempt, which makes sense because if, if your whole purpose is I am collecting funds to distribute for a charitable cause, your mission and your purpose is diminished by the government collecting taxes on that. I loved reflecting on Afghanistan because it was so heavy on our hearts and was happening in real time. That's one of the ones that we just said, we, we cannot not talk about this. It was very emotional. There was a lot of like frustration and anger and sadness. 
had two questions. One is when we look at this through the framers lens, what are their feelings on foreign policy? I seriously like to wonder what they would have wanted here. And the other question I have is what's the complaint that we're hearing that this was badly handled? What would be better? Should the American people have voted? It's one of the ones where we took it kind of in, in a 10 year scope of what's happened and to us and to the country and to the world in the last 10 years. And I just think it's a very fascinating mini history. And then the last one I really thought was my favorite producer's cut, <laughs> special producer's cut off the cuff, fun and fast, some silly questions and quizzes. I just appreciated how, how much you guys gave to it and how much I got to learn about you. Not as much research has been done um, as the other ones. So we hope you like it. Well, zero, zero research. research has been done. We have done zero research. So Zach and I are in a very vulnerable position and Cassie has all of the power this week. That's right. That's right. And we had some other learning experiences. Least favorite, most challenging. Go, Zach. All right. So for me, I mean, right away, I don't even think about this one was the climate change episode. For those of you who have listened, uh, all 64 of you probably heard me floundering a little bit. No, no, I, this is not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it's like me with the voting one. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. It goes against my nature. And so I'm like, mm -hmm. no, don't institute climate policy on me. Like, it's like a bait and switch of like, the government tells me I do something. And so I'm like, no, don't do it. Even if it's good. And I mean, like, that's hey. important to note in yourself. Right? That was one that was challenging for me. Not so much least favorite. I don't want to say it was my least favorite, but it definitely was most challenging. I feel like I didn't present myself very well in that. I don't feel like I was very well prepared and not that I, you know, going back to our earlier question from our friend Katie, you know, did I lose it? I don't, I didn't even think about it like that, but I felt more like this is something that is people are very emotional and, and passionate about. And I don't want to present myself in a way that comes out across as naive or ignorant or, you know, getting lumped in with deniers or flat earthers or, you know, some, some kind of crazy group. So that one, I felt like I didn't prepare enough and I wasn't very articulate in my beliefs. So that one was challenging. Listening back to it, I didn't feel quite as bad, but definitely during it, I just felt like kind of treading water and just like gasping for air the whole time. So that one was challenging for me. And then if I had to pick a second one, you know, maybe gun control part two. The point is still the same, you know, in that if you have, a different patchwork of laws across all the states, you, you do end up undermining some of the gun control laws of the states that are stronger. I think that that's true probably for everything. I agree with that. Right. Um, but I'm befuddled that some states don't require a background check or um, because I thought that I thought that was one of the things that federally is required where all states do have or all commercial gun purchases have to have a background check. was a bit challenging, honestly, even though I enjoy it. And I felt like you know, I didn't have the same like preparation concerns. Like I've said before, we never really talk about 
our episodes beforehand. The gun control part two, I think was, you know, we kind of had a little bit more of a scope, but you can go so many different directions with it. And so I never know what Aaron's going to, you know, bring to the, the this week's recording. And so it's like, d- does the information that I prep for this week apply? And um, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. So that one, I feel like was still fun. I still enjoyed it, but was also, I think a little challenging when it came to recording time. But what about you, Aaron? How do you feel? Yeah, I just want to make a comment on what you just said. Just so people know, we don't give our evidence to each other or pre-plan the episodes really specifically on purpose because that's the way a normal conversation goes. I mean, even us doing all of our research is not the way you would enter a conversation with just some person that you know or like one of your family and friends. And so we do want to keep it dynamic in that, oh, you're bringing up a point that I didn't even think about. And now I have to think about how I'm going to respond to it. And maybe the answer is, I don't know enough about that. So I actually can't talk about it, which you've heard us say, but it's, you know, we, we don't plan out like, okay, well, here's our whole outline of like the whole conversation and then like filtering it in that way. And I think it's a fun and interesting way to do it, but it does make it challenging sometimes when you are not sure what you're going to need to respond to. Um, as far as my least favorite episode, can you guess what my least favorite episode is? Yeah. Yeah. What is it? The voting rights. Yep. It's the voting rights. So I think the bigger problem is not necessarily the specific restrictions, but this backlash to this, you know, idea that there was a huge amount of voter fraud. I think that is dangerous for democracy and we shouldn't be passing laws when there aren't problems. But if the laws that are passing are not that restrictive, as you said, What's the harm in in passing a law to make sure that if there is fraud in the future, maybe there wasn't this time, but if there is fraud going forward, that we can catch it or we have ways to ground that out? So similar to Zach on that one, I just felt like I hadn't done enough research and wasn't as prepared as I wanted to be. And it's a topic I really care about. And I didn't feel like I was representing my side very well. And so then I fell back. I was like, no, I like. I know I know this. I just didn't have what I needed to have going into that conversation. And yeah, so that was the one. It was like always climate change for Zach and voting rights for me were the ones we like didn't feel good about. And then the most challenging episode for me was Afghanistan. And I feel like I have kind of a love-hate relationship with that episode because it's probably the episode that we've recorded that I'm the most proud of because of how we had the conversation. It was not an easy conversation. Like it really wasn't fun. One of the reasons we do this is because we have fun doing it. Like we really Mm -hmm. like talking about this stuff. It's like great to get in there and figure out what each other think. Afghanistan was not fun, but it was really important. And I think it grew us in our relationships and in our ability to have these conversations. Like it was actually just a really important episode. And so I appreciate it. But for me, it was like up there in the most challenging ones to do. This is a geopolitical disaster for no reason, because we want it out of an endless war. I, I, I am very upset by all of this. It's such a failure of our country. I don't think that anyone disagrees that this was the, the way the withdrawal happened was terrible. You know, like no one, no one disagrees with that. The only thing that I would say about it is if the, if the mission is to get out, and it was, and like we've already talked about whether that should have been the mission or not. There was arguably no way for it to be done well, but absolutely should have been done better. 
I almost look at the Afghanistan episode as like, like a different series. I, I almost don't even consider it part of like the reframers. And I guess, you know, maybe unintentionally, like it is that way because it doesn't share the same title sequence that the rest of the episodes do. All the other episodes say, you know, reframing our topic and Afghanistan is reflecting on. And so I almost don't even consider that as like, I mean, it's obvious, I'm incredibly proud of it as well, but it almost feels like it's a different series than our reframer series. I, I don't know. I, I just have always seen that differently and it was hard. I mean, I, I cried a couple of times on that one. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of grateful that we didn't have video yet because it was, it was a hard episode. It was hard to talk about because it was really happening in real time. And that's really difficult. So I think well said by both of you. I, I have feelings about the climate change episode as well. Not anything really bad about what we said or, or how it went, but just the awareness of the fact that you guys listening are friends and family was never more clear than it was in that episode. I know we're talking about very serious things week after week, and we do want to come to it from a very authentic place where if you sat down with somebody, you could talk to them and you wouldn't need to have your notes with you. And so we try to replicate that. Climate change was frustrating because I think all three of us had, not frustrating, but it was hard to feel super great about it because all three of us had strong feelings going in. And I think seeing Zach be less prepared than he wanted to be and feeling a little bit ganged up on, you you guys know there are three of us. So sometimes people are going to feel ganged up on. I don't think it happens all that often, quite honestly, Um, but we felt it. We all felt it during that episode. So that's challenging because sometimes you're like, we're winning. And sometimes you're like, this is awkward and we don't know what to do about it. Aaron was super prepared. I could tell Zach was like, damn, like I'm going to be thinking of everything I need to say when I'm in the shower later. Like all those shower thoughts that you (laughs) always have when you leave an argument and you're like, oh, I should have said this. Like we feel a responsibility to people that are listening to this, even though we just always want to do our best for you and for ourselves. And it's hard when you feel like you maybe didn't represent yourself, but I was really pushing for that episode to come out as is without a caveat because it's real life. You leave conversations and you're like, next time we talk about climate change, I'm going to say this, this, and this, and I'm going to have it all lined up and I'm going to learn my stats or you leave and you're like, I think I'm wrong. I have to eat my words. So it's just, it was like a good lesson, but it was challenging. And then I just have a small regret reframing the filibuster. I feel like I didn't, I didn't learn as much as you guys were teaching. And I wish I had learned more as it was happening because listening back was interesting. I would agree. I think what's interesting about the filibuster is it really affects the majority party, right? This is a tool against whoever is in the majority. And the big argument for the filibuster is that it protects the minority and that it allows for more debate. So, I mean, the theory is basically, you know, you, you require more people to vote on these things. That means that you have to compromise more. You have to Mm -hmm. be able to reach across the aisle to get more votes, which means we'll have better legislation because we'll be bipartisan. I mean, like that's the general idea. I felt a little bit negative about it as it was happening because I felt like the big message I was hearing was when it's in favor of the Republicans, the Republicans love it and the Democrats hate it and try to get rid of it. And when it's in the favor of the Democrats, the Democrats love it and the Republicans hate it and try to get rid of it. And I felt very like, that's so sad. Like that's a terrible seesaw where nobody's getting anywhere. And I was just like a little bit sad about our system in that moment, but there was more to learn. And I, I wish I had focused more as I was talking about it. I like that. That's good reflection. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's fun yeah. to kind of think about, oh, look at our whole season. Like what were the things that really yeah. stood out? And 
The next question is, is like this too. This is also a great question. What topic did you feel the most convinced by the other person's argument about? I had some thoughts on this one. So I thought that there were different arguments in different episodes. So when we talked about student debt, that one was really interesting. And I thought that there were some really good points about like, okay, well, what, like, what should the government be doing in relation to student debt? And especially thinking about um, the one statistic that I found, which was, you know, every time the government increases the amount that it will give for loans, college prices go up by not the same amount, but like a lower amount. And so it really does beg the question of like, okay, well, how, where should this be coming from? And then also like canceling student debt, you know, what, how does that help? Is it just short term? What does it mean for the long term? And there were a lot of parts of it that we agreed on, but you brought up some like economic points that I hadn't thought of that I thought were really good. And I think that we should have a moral government. And I think that if you paid off your $22,000 of student debt, and then six months later, the government comes in and forgives that money, that's something morally that the government has to reckon with. And we are directly impacted by that. And so I don't, I think that that's immoral of the government to do because you're picking and choosing who is able to be forgiven based off of the timing, based off of being involved in this. So that's my opposition. For the COVID episode, again, there were things that it was like, ah, I like kind of agree, but kind of don't. But a lot of what you said about, you know, businesses and could we have done more on a local level instead of like the federal level to make the rules in a way that maybe could have been more helpful to the particular society um, or counties or whatever. And there were county rules, but that like that was, I thought, a really good point um, and something that I like made me think about later. The last one, I think just with gun control, and this was another one where I felt like I learned a lot, but you know so much more about guns than I do. And just, I mean, like really though, and have the experience that I don't have. And so you had things to say where it was like, okay, yeah, I actually like would not have thought about that. And that's a really good point because I just like don't know as much about this. And so those were like areas within the episodes that I thought um, you were like very convincing. And just to clarify the question, Tyler, I'm sorry, I forgot. It was such a good question. I was so eager to write it down. I didn't put your name. Tyler, we thank you because your question specifically is that he'd love to hear which policy or topic each co-host feels that their discussion, their viewpoint was most opened. And if they have a different perspective or a change in their original stance. So that was the framework. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, thanks, dude. Aaron, thanks so much. I mean, I feel like that's that's all very nice of you. and and. I appreciate that feedback. That's that's awesome. So for me, then on on coming from the other side, the electoral college episode, actually the first one, felt like that was a big one for me in doing the research ahead of time. But then also, Aaron, just you kind of going through and presenting the arguments for we're so much more connected now as a nation that it really is a little bit, you know, of an antiquity that we're still doing it in this way. Who actually wins isn't going to change because the popular vote is the one that matters. And so your vote still matters because it's going to this huge pot as opposed to just your state vote. It's basically just takes the electoral college out of it. It means the electoral college doesn't really matter because you're ultimately going to end at the popular vote. 
it, it kind of, I think, set me off on a good footing because it was our very first episode and it right away helped challenge a belief of mine, you know, kind of right off the bat. So um, I thought that one was, was really good. I mean, the religion one, I, I definitely learned a lot. And, and I was, I think, expecting a little bit of a different kind of stance from you um, on that one. I, I was very much convinced about the legal insight that you brought to that episode about how you laid out a very convincing case that, you know, we really do have a good separation of powers and that the state of religion and our politics today is very well protected and, and not really very encroached on because it's something that the right likes to claim, you know, all the time that, that this is something that's happening. And so that one I felt, you know, I don't feel as strongly about religion, you know, but I definitely have heard that claim so much that I was, you know, very much kind of convinced otherwise in that episode. And then, I mean, climate change, God, I just felt like, like I said earlier, it felt like I was sitting through kind of like a, a lecture of like, here's all the good things that we can do to help climate change. And I don't mean a lecture in a bad way. I mean, in like a, you know, a Ted talk or something. So that one, I felt like, yeah, even if I do believe in the way I feel, Aaron's making it really hard for me to, to see how this wouldn't be a positive. And so that was, I think, really interesting for me, especially, you know, maybe not so much in the moment because I was too caught up in the actual conversation, but upon listening to it after the moment felt really like actually, you know, a lot of this makes sense. And, you know, you were so well prepared. You had so much information and it was really convincing and it's hard because we're not voting on, you know, the particulars of, you know, should we have a wind farm here? Like it's, it's always bundled in so much more that it's hard to, you know, say, Oh, I'm going to change my vote now and vote, you know, for the green new deal. But, in terms of my stance on it, it's definitely opened my mind and more aware of how the left feels about that. As difficult it was for me at the moment, I felt like I learned the most from that episode on, on reflection. I think for me, reframing student loan debt, I learned a lot. I didn't think I had a super strong opinion, but getting to hear you guys talk about whose responsibility it is, um, whether it's the government or if people should, you know, pick themselves up by their bootstraps and deal with their own student loan debt. I thought that that was a really good conversation. I don't know. I just, I learned a lot and I, I appreciated getting to hear from both of you on that. And then the one that I also, I wasn't sure I had strong feelings on was the death penalty. So that's been of course on our mind because of the case that we talked about earlier. And again, please, if you're interested, follow the innocence project. They're doing a lot of amazing work. Even then, how many people, how many innocent people are we okay with accidentally killing? Yeah, and, I think I that's think the that's, question. Mm -hmm. I think you can't get around that. Yeah, and I actually have a statistic here. Between 1973 and 2016, 156 people who have been sentenced to death were determined to be innocent. One of the things that you guys both said was, I don't think that we have enough data that says that we're doing well at picking who should be on death row. Mm -hmm. I don't think that we can accurately enough of the time, which, you know, realistically shouldn't be a hundred percent of the time, um, say, yep, this person did it. And the price for what they did is death. We believe it a hundred percent. The whole jury believes it. I, I was a little bit surprised by my feelings on that. I didn't think that I, felt one way or another strongly. I think I just thought sometimes people do really awful things and they know full well they're not supposed to, and maybe they shouldn't be with us. Maybe they shouldn't be with us. But I didn't consider that the people 
doing the investigating and doing the sentencing can be wrong. And that, that could lead, it just, it was really, it weighed on me a lot more than I had thought about. And so while I don't know that I was proven to like be in disagreement, I just discovered that my position was changed after I heard from you. So thank you. That was a good one too. I like the death penalty. That was a good conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And looking back at this list, it is interesting because I'm noticing that there are a good handful that we have agreed a lot <laughs> on so much on, yeah. right? The death penalty on um, the war on drugs, on filibuster. We really filibuster. about the filibuster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in, in terms of like this question, there are some things that I wasn't like convinced because we were kind of already on the same page, but they were still fun to listen to and fun to record and, and fun to learn because I don't think in any episode so far as I can tell, we have come to the table with the same information. Like I think everything that you've brought has been different. Even if we've agreed on the topic, you're still like, oh, here's some sources and some data that I've had never heard. And I think that's really valuable and cool because even if we do agree, it just is more, you know, more supporting evidence to back up like why we feel the way that we feel, which is kind of good because you would hope as you know, Americans on different sides of the political aisle, that there would be some things that we would have in common. And it's like over the course of these, you know, 19 episodes, there have been some things we have in common, which is, I think is really encouraging. And I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why our conversations work. And that's the thing. If you talk to someone long yep. enough, you're going to find something in common with them. So we right. tend to have a lot, but like, it's always there. Now we thought it'd be a great time to do a little fun question. If you could get coffee with any president, who would you want to get coffee with? For me, it would be FDR because of how long he was president, how much experience he had and all the different things that were happening during his presidency, you know, with World War II and then created the administrative state. Like he just changed what the presidency was. And I think it would be fascinating to talk to him. Nice. Cassie, good, you got good candidate. Yeah, mine's Barack Obama for a couple of reasons. One, just a straight up icon. <laughs> Two, what if he brings Michelle? I got to be involved in that. That would be an absolute blast of a coffee date. I think it would be really cool in addition to all the reasons that Barack Obama is cool. Um, because he's a recent president in living memory, in my living memory, but also hasn't been president for a while at this point. And so I think it could be cool to hear from him what he would do differently if he could go back. It would be fascinating for him to say, oh my God, if I had known that this was going to be such a big deal or that this was going to go away or that these were the people that were going to come after me or whatever, I think it'd be fascinating. And last but not least, I think that we would have the most in common to actually talk about not being as much of a history buff. I don't necessarily have questions that would pertain to going back in time. I would more want to talk about things that we could both enjoy and discuss. And I think it would be fun to, I don't know enough about other presidents to be worried that they wouldn't be like sexist to me while I was talking to them or like not, like I would want to believe that Barack Obama would actually like talk to me and we would have a good time. So that sounds like a good coffee date to me. Well, I think that's a great answer. I was, I was thinking- You convinced of... me, sorry. Just like, <laughs> I, sorry, I FDR. <laughs> Especially if you brought Michelle, that'd be great. So great, great points. <laughs> For me, I kind of think JFK would be awesome. I think it'd be really cool to talk to JFK. You know, the youngest president I think ever elected. There's so much interesting about him because I'm fascinated by the U.S. involvement in the space race. And for him to come up with this, you know, we're going to, by the end of the decade, go to the moon is incredible. Bay of Pigs that he kind of got roped into. He and Jackie did such a great job of 
really harnessing what it meant to be like the people's president. I think it'd be neat to talk to him and staring down, you know, communism when he was so young and so inexperienced. Like I I've read so much and listened to so much history about his interactions with uh, the USSR at the time. Like, how did you do that? How did you stand by your beliefs? And so probably JFK. JFK was high on my list too. I, I agree that he would be really interesting. And FDR would be great. Like, I, I loved your answer too, because you said FDR and I was like, well, of course it's him because he's been four administrations and Great Depression and World War II and the building of the bomb and you know, all this. It's like, yeah, I mean, that would be really fascinating. Just the amount of candidate. history you could cover and to be able to talk about it a hundred years later and be like, this is still a big deal. We still talk about this. He'd probably yeah. be like, I flipping hope so. It <laughs> turned me gray. <laughs> like it was a big deal for us too. Like how did he navigate all those relationships with different countries and stuff would be really, really cool. Well, it's really exciting to kind of relive everything we've gotten to talk about over the last several months and share with our listeners Aaron, why don't you give us a little bit of a heads up about what people can expect for our new season coming in 2022? Oh, we're so excited for our new season. We're taking a little bit of a break between now and the new year. So between the holidays and we'll be back with you in 2022. And what we've talked about so far for our season two season is a, a series on the media. So potentially a few episodes there, privacy and data use, which we have talked about several times and are actually going to do an episode on um, healthcare, capitalism, and the free market, uh, potentially an election series, since next year is an election year, if you don't know. So some of the topics there might be lobbying, campaign finance, um, how we do debates, um, how the media is involved, all, all things to do with elections. And then we are also thinking about doing an episode where we argue the other side, argue each other's position and kind of see where we go from there. So really excited for season two. And we hope that you will join us in the new year. As always, please let us know if you have any topics that come up. We're just so, you know, so grateful for all the support that you all have given us over the course of season one. This started as just a little passion project for us and uh, we're still passionate about it, but it just means the world that you're all, you know, listening and sending in your feedback and support and, and ideas. So thank you so much. We're really excited to improve and give you more awesome content and great discussions in season two. Ditto to all of that. We are super thankful for you all for being with us. If you haven't yet, please consider leaving us a review. Um, follow along on our social media channels. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And um, again, I would just like to mention if this is something that you enjoy, um, consider sharing with a friend or family member that you think would like it as well. We would love to join more of you in 2022 and continue having impactful um, learning conversations with even more of you. So thanks. Thank you all and happy holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. And we'll see you next year. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Reframers Pod. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please rate and review us five stars and subscribe so you can always catch our latest episode. You can also find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Reframers Pod. And you can email us at reframerspod at gmail.com. 